This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. What up, everybody? It's Ana Maria here. Now, Felix is out on vacation this week, which means I was tasked with the amazing opportunity, question mark, of finding you all the most exciting, most amazing, most informative of rerun episodes. And this episode that I'm bringing you this week is really a good one. It's about the Cuban roots of rock and roll. Now, I've got to tell you, this one really blew my mind. Felix has taught me all kinds of things over the years, but this one specifically, I mean, you would have never expected it, I think. So I hope you give it a listen, and I hope it surprises you as much as it did me. This is All Latino. I'm Felix Gomez. As part of our continuing special programming for Latino Heritage Month, we're going to look at the heritage of rock and roll. There are plenty of oral histories and scholarly works indicating the various musical traditions that went into the earliest days of rock and roll. And let's give that a timestamp. When I say the early days of rock and roll, I'm talking about the mid-1950s. Blues, country music, folk music, religious or spiritual music, you can hear traces of all of that. But what you also hear is Latin music, specifically music from the Spanish-speaking Caribbean. This week, we're going to do a deep dive into that history, and I've invited some special guests to help me out. But before we get to that, let's finish listening to the world's most famous example of the, of the Bo Diddley song, by Bo Diddley, from 1955. And we're listening to the music of Bo Diddley and a song called Bo Diddley, a performer whose real name was Ellis McDaniel. Joining me this week are two people with whom I could talk for hours about music, but we're going to limit it today. Joining us from WBGO in Newark, multi-Grammy-nominated drummer, percussionist, educator, radio host, and good friend of mine, Bobby Sanabria. Bobby, welcome. Hey, Felix, what's happening, man? Always good to hear your voice, man. This is happening, (laughs) man. Rock and roll's happening. You got it. And here in the Alt-Latino World Headquarters, we're joined in the studio by Lauren Anki, whose official title is Senior Director of NPR Music. But she's also a walking encyclopedia of rock and roll history, and we've had many, many conversations. Lauren, welcome to Alt-Latino. Thank you, Felix. It is so great to be with you on this mic for the first time. Okay, Bobby, in as few words as possible, explain the Bo Diddley rhythm and its relationship to Cuban music. <laughs> Are you serious it, in as few words as possible? Because <laughs> we, we could, you and I know we could do a PhD uh, dissertation on that. Of course. Yeah. Well, driving the Bo Diddley rhythm, as many people outside of the realm of Latin music call it, is really the clave of song, which is the main rhythm. It's the cornerstone. It's the foundation of a style of Cuban music from the eastern part of Cuba called song which is the foundation of what we call salsa. Song is like the folk song tradition, and it got morphed into what we call salsa today, which is the way we play Cuban music with a New York attitude in the city. So underneath that, uh, what Bo Diddley is singing, you hear the drummer playing. 
Now that rhythm, most people associate it with obviously Cuba, but of course it's our direct tie to West Africa because even though the rhythm we can count it in four beats, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, we can also count it in six beats. One, two, three, four, five, six, 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 king, 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 That's a bell rhythm in what we call six, eight meter, but in four, four, and in bow diddly, so there it is as we would say in the Bronx all that and a bag of chips <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> and what we're going to do is we're going to play some uh, other rhythms that uh, the 3-2 Clive is part of and you can point that out so we can have a reference back to the Bo Diddley rhythm but right now I want to play three short examples of other bands that use that beat this is a song called Willie and the Hand Jive from 1958 by John I mean, just on its own, it's an irresistible it's, groove, man. That's right. Yeah, and, right. you know, that Bo Diddley, Bo Diddley was released in 1955, so it really is there at the beginning of this rock and roll explosion and it becomes absolutely irresistible across the 50s with a number of other artists they grab onto that beat like it's the mother load of the music and parenthetically 1955 is what the height of the mambo era in the united states and also during the time period when transistor radios are finally coming into the hands of young white kids down south who can now listen to black music outside of the privy of their homes in secret and in their, amongst themselves. Uh, as Lauren said, it starts permeating throughout the country. Uh, so there is a direct connection, obviously, with Latin music, particularly from Cuba, obviously, and, of course, through New Orleans, because New Orleans is, the, I always say, is the northernmost Caribbean city. That's right. It was in New Orleans had this incredible triangular trade route between Mexico, New Orleans, and Cuba. So it was inevitable that this would happen, and it gets uh, transmitted. It becomes birthed, so to speak, in early rock and roll. And felt across the pond, as they say. I'm going to go to 1964 with the Rolling Stones with a cover of Buddy Holly's tune, Not Fade Away. Stones were such fans of Chess Records, Keith and Mick, Bill Wyman, Charlie Watts, Brian Jones. Chess was a kind of holy place for them. And as collectors of chess, they would have dug into all of the Bo Diddley rhythms. So it feels like they're Bo Diddleying Buddy Holly there to me, you know? But I bet they didn't realize that they that it, go, it went back farther than that, you know, to Cuba right. and then obviously right. to the motherland, Africa. Okay, now I'm going to uh, fast forward to 1987. George Michael 
and faith. Nice. Right? Yeah. It may be the only time you, you'll hear George Michael on Alt Latino. But, yeah. you know? <laughs> but he's there, man. I got to give him props for that, right? But it just, it just goes to show you how this uh, rhythm unites us all as Americans. And Americans, uh, and America, as I always say, people have to realize is not just North America, it's Central and South America. Right. So the center of America is not Butte, Montana. But uh, Havana, Cuba, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic, and of course, New Orleans, where it all came together. What I want to do now is I'm going to divide the show up into rhythms, okay? We just started with the Bo Diddley rhythm. We're going to start with cha-cha-cha. And I'm mm -hmm. going to start with a cha-cha-cha called El Loco Cha-Cha-Cha by Rene Touzet. Uh, this is from 1957. <laughs> Go, the roots of uh, Louis Louis. So it's it's a perfect combination of something that was so strictly Afro-Caribbean uh, in, in the in the big band cha-cha-cha sound and this early, early R&B rock and roll. And, yeah. you know, there's all of that mix at the time with Latin and African-American artists through R&B bands and through vocal harmony groups that we ended up calling doo-wop later on. And this is a perfect example of that. What an incredible, incredible song. Yeah, and it's, it, I mean, the only difference is that uh, the drums are providing the rhythmic propulsion as well as the bass. There's no Afro-Cuban percussion as there was in the Rene Toussaint uh, piece that you played. The people that heard that record were probably dancing cha-cha-cha to it because cha-cha-cha and mambo were so ubiquitous at the time. So they, they, kids that were dancing knew those steps and I'm sure they were dancing that to the piece. And others would be doing as uh, Bill Graham would say, uh, freak dancing, yeah. <laughs> or, the, or the early roots of it. <laughs> okay, so that was a specific uh, a reference to Louis Louis. Uh, now I'm going to play uh, a cha-cha-cha without a musical reference, so you get the feel for the rhythm and the groove. This is Tito Rodriguez, Los Marcianos Cha-Cha-Cha. Los Marcianos llegaron ya. Cha-cha-cha, one, two, cha-cha-cha. Of course, the song is talking about Martians dancing cha-cha-cha. <laughs> now, why would, they even, that, why would they even talk about that? <laughs> that was the time when science fiction movies right. in the 50s were happening big time, and space travel was on everybody's mind, and it eventually would come to full fruition with NASA. But <laughs> music always reflects the time period that it's born in. As that did, and and Martians obviously are probably the hippest people in the, yeah. the universe. <laughs> apparently, sure. apparently. Okay, now we're gonna now listen to this one. Okay, you recognize this? Yeah. One two cha cha cha. cha, -cha. One yeah. two cha cha cha. That's probably Brian Jones hitting that cha 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 on the on the cha -cha -cha tambourine on the tambourine. Mm -hmm. 
This, now that is a direct cha-cha-cha underneath this classic rock song. This and rock. This is uh, like 19. This is 1965. There are other examples of cha-cha-cha in the in rock and roll, but uh, the one I'm going to play now. I've always, this one always stood out to me because there's a little bit of cha-cha, but I always, the weedle, the scratcher, yeah. always stood out. And listen to that bass part. It's a, it's a, it's a tumbao. Yeah. It's a Cuban-styled yeah. tumbao. Bass line, yeah. Yeah. So one of the last great hits by the incredible drifters and really it's coming right at the end i think the song is 64 and it's coming at the end of the kind of high water mark of the brill building where you had these songwriters and vocal groups girl groups and it's this really wonderful urban sound a lot of the the music from that has i think latin influence that's the, the perfect example and it's just what you want to hear every summer yeah, right. but it also feels like a city song to me yeah. you know i think coney island right when i hear that song i don't think the outer banks right <laughs> I, I, I i'm going right from the city out to the beach yeah. um but but that big city mixing of writers and singers that was happening and they were so young and and taking over the charts you're Playing the story of my life, it's, it's really, I mean, the, the memories are flooding in, especially that song. Uh, we used to sing that doo-wop style in the projects in the hallway, and I used to do the, ba the bass voice, on the boardwalk. <laughs> there you go. We'd be having some fun, you know. <laughs> I mean, but you always had to have the clapping, on the boardwalk. We'd be having some fun, on the boardwalk. I mean... Ah, Felix, Felix, Felix. <laughs> yeah. You're killing me, man. <laughs> We're going to hear more from this great conversation, but first, we got to take a short break. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit their website to get a quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. Then just choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. Like, not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop. <laughs> dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
You're listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. I'm in the studio with Bobby Sanavria and Lauren Anke, and we're talking about the roots of rock and roll, the mambo, or the Latin roots of rock and roll, actually. Uh, I've been calling this show Rock and Roll Mambo since I came up with the idea, but it really is Mambo's cha-cha-cha and a bunch of other stuff. And speaking of mambo, let's play a mambo and then uh, some of the derivatives that came after this. This is from 1949. This is the Cuban musician Perez Prado, who was uh, based in Mexico. Huge, huge hits on all of his stuff. This is called Mambo Number no. 5 or Mambo Numero 5. This is the tune that, that Lauren brought in. So Dave Bartholomew, the great recently passed New Orleans musician, he and Fats Domino were writing partners. He led the band. He led Fats's band. He was recording before Fats was just a giant trumpet player. And he's got some solo R&B hits from the 50s. Uh, Who drank my beer while I was in the rear, for example, which is my personal favorite. (laughs) The Monkey Speaks His Mind, another amazing track. Um, But, you know, you mainly knew him as a band leader, but this track he recorded in 56. And when I first heard it, that is a hot band. And, Bobby, you made the point about New Orleans being a Caribbean city. And you know, getting the Latin and Caribbean influence through New Orleans, you just really feel it here. And it's interesting, the way they're playing the feel, it's definitely mambo, but there's obviously no uh, congas on there. They're alluding to, to the percussion. There's somebody tapping out things on the clave. It sounds like there's a tambourine there. But the drummer's providing everything on the cowbell, etc. But they're playing the rhythm with a swing, swung feel, that uh, New Orleans musicians obviously know very well. So instead of playing the bell part straight like this, so they're playing so it's got that instead of one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, and two, and three, and four, and one, and two, that shuffle kind of thing happening underneath. But again, when one culture collides with another culture, a new culture is created. And uh, New Orleans, the clave is part and parcel of uh, the history of New Orleans and the history of the music. It's there in full force. That could always. be Earl Palmer. On the Probably, yeah. yeah. Because now, it, it, he, could, he may have moved on by that point, but that in 56 with Dave Bartholomew, that could be Earl Palmer. Right, and Earl Palmer has said that he used to frequently go to Cuba all the time wow. to just hang out because he, as he said in some many interviews that I've read with him, he goes, man, I thought New Orleans was hip, but forget <laughs> it. Cuba? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so now while we're thinking about that slower mambo, something else that Lauren brought in, this is Mambo Shevitz. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> And that definitely sounds like it was recorded in New York City with authentic sure, musicians. Right? Yeah, the trumpets, 
piano, timbales, bongo, uh, and conga. And New York is the only place you'd mix mambo and shevets. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun, yeah. goofy little song, but it, it shows yeah. you how much of these rhythms were in doo-wop music. I always say that rock and roll was never one thing. It was one thing in Chicago, and it was something else in New Orleans, and it was something else in New York. And you really get so much Latin music coming through the, the doo-wop groups in New York, and there's some great examples. And some of it is more about the musicians and not the rhythms, right? So you maybe couldn't tell the difference between um, an African-American doo-wop group and a, a doo-wop group with uh, a number of Hispanics, but it was that's a place where so many musicians were coming into the music. So if you, if you think about, I mean, there's fun songs, The Penguins, Hey Senorita, but members of the Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, you know, uh, Herman Santiago, who claims to have written part of Why Do Fools Fall in Love. There's a whole scene around the doo-wop stuff. Yeah, yeah. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, two of the members were Puerto Rican, uh, New York-born Puerto Ricans. So, and the thing about the, this, this novelty uh, mambo that you just played, which is hip, it shows you, it demonstrates orally, sonically, what was happening in New York City at the time. The combination of African-Americans... Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and Jew the Jewish community at the same time coming together. Uh, it's all it's all in there in the tune. It's a novelty song. It's fun. Mambo Shevitz, of course. <laughs> you know that's obviously a mambo and Jewish culture. Manischewitz wine, uh, etc. It's a play on words on that. Right. The singers are African American. The rhythm section is most definitely probably. New York-born Puerto Ricans who by that time had absorbed Cuban music so well they became part of our DNA at, at the time. Great, great example. Lauren, fantastic, fantastic choice. Here's, uh, we're going to play a fast mambo so we can get into some, of some examples of some fast mambo and rock and roll. But uh, here's one of the best that got people out on the dance floor. This is Tito Puente, from Mambo Gozon from 1958's Dance Mania. So keep in mind, for and keep in mind that little beat. And this is another. This is a song that the first time I heard it, I thought, well, he's playing a mambo. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is Ray Charles from yeah from 1958. Yeah. Again, yeah. the height of the mumble era. Right. right. So this is uh, What I Say, parts one and two. It's just a jam from uh, Ray Charles. And again, another hybrid song because there's also so many gospel elements in What Did I Say? Yeah. Again, you're listening to Alt Latino. My name's Felix. We're in rock and roll mambo cha-cha-cha stage. That's what we're doing this week, looking at the, uh, the Latin roots of rock and roll. Okay. Now I'm going to play something uh, that's called a beat that's called the Afro. Okay. And this is an example of it, a very good example of it from 1954. This is Dizzy Gillespie and his beautiful song Conalma with Machito's rhythm section laying down this. Now we're going to switch over to 1957 and Chuck Berry. 
This is called Havana Moon. Havana Moon. So Chuck Berry's playing that rhythm on the guitar. Yeah, beautiful. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. I first heard this tune in the 80s. Santana did a version of it. But uh, going back to this, it's, it's fascinating to me to hear Chuck Berry pick up this beat and, and reproduce it almost note for note. One of the things I have to say about Afro, Afro's song, it was an outgrowth of uh, this neo-African consciousness movement in Cuba in the 1930s that was spearheaded by a writer named Alejo Carpentier. And so... Composers in Cuba started writing pieces uh, inspired by that, uh, and that's where you get the piece by Ernesto Lecoona, Babalu, which was done by Desi Arnaz that used that rhythm, if people remember or have seen the I Love Lucy show. That was his signature song. So uh, once again, Africa makes its presence felt through Cuba in the pop music world, in this case, Chuck Berry. Fascinating. And and actually... More than makes its presence, it brings those those circles of the diaspora together. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera, Guantanamera. Next, we're gonna play a medium tempo beat that's often called Guajira. Mm. And this is, of course, Celia Cruz. Is that the version of the song from the Mambo King soundtrack? I, it must be because it's a it's a later version. It's not something that yeah. was recorded earlier. The earlier version yeah. was a lot faster. Yeah, that's that. I have a revelation for you. That, guess who's playing the timbales? Is that you? That? And the the maracas and the the claves. That's me. Yeah. Oh my God, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, because I, I I recognized it right away. It's from the Mambo King soundtrack. Felix, you sly dog, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. He's trying to get on your good side, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, okay, so keep in mind that piano part, and now uh, listen to this. This is another song. This is from 1970, I believe. Doesn't it just make you feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Eric Burden and War, yeah. So Eric Burden, lead singer of one of the best and most interesting British invasion bands, The Animals, I would say the one that really could take on R&B and the blues and create something really kind of original in that format. By 70, he's left The Animals. He's in California and embraced a whole new thing with war. I mean, you could not have seen this coming from <laughs> Eric Burden earlier, and it just works, the, the two yeah. of them together. Stunning. Yeah, it's, it's that track, that you heard that in, through all, out, all of New York City in the summertime in the projects. Wow. People are playing basketball to that, playing handball to that, and people are dancing cha-cha-cha to it. 
<laughs> I mean, it's 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 just that that was one of those. Uh, sing- I I always call it these types of tunes project music, mm. <laughs> you know, because that these are the types of tunes I heard growing up in the city. Everybody would be playing it. That would be coming out of a bodega in New York City in a speaker, and everybody's grooving to it. And of course, it unifies African Americans, and in the case of New York City, Puerto Ricans into one unified uh, uh, whole. Right. Fantastic. You know, there's a lot of white blues and rock and roll bands who didn't do their best work when they were just doing straight-up imitation, or they seemed attracted to African-American music of a previous time, right? The passion for the blues. Let's go back. And when I hear things like Spill the Wine and even some of these early rock and roll hits... These white artists who are really interested in some of these Latin beats, it feels very modern. It feels like yeah. they're going for American culture as it's existing right in that moment. It, they're not doing some kind of period piece. Huh. And I think it's more creative as a result. You know, Spill the Wine comes out when Santana's starting to really make a name for himself. He definitely was an influence on everybody at the time period. Before then, Artists that were pop and rock artists and R&B artists, they rarely used any authentic percussion or percussionists that could play those rhythms on the recordings. Santana comes along, all of a sudden you start seeing all every rock group utilizing a percussionist and pop group and R&B group, etc. A lot of times they hired people that didn't know how to play those instruments, but the fact that, that they were present for us as Latinos, meant something to us. We, we, it was like an identity marker for us. In terms of what Lawrence said, I would o- agree wholeheartedly. Um, people are always looking, artists are always looking for new things to do. And the fact that Eric Burden did that track, Spill the One, he must have heard some authentic Cuban music, or maybe he was influenced by Santana at the time. Who knows? The only uh, uh, we we you that's on you, Felix. You got to give him a phone call. Okay, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to wrap up this conversation because, like I said, we could go for hours and we don't have any liquor here, so we can't go for hours, which would make it more fun. Uh, we got to do part two with I know. Let's okay. work the, on that. For part two the, with, the, with drinks. I want to tell you how it's going to be. And now let's wrap up the show where we started with the Bo Diddley beat. And I have to fly my colors and play the Grateful Dead doing Not Fade Away. Deadheads. This is 5877, just saying. Many thanks to Bobby Sanabria and Laura Anki for joining me for this deeper dive and filling in the blanks with their vast knowledge. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, and to be continued, right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to that... do a whole doo-wop show. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, forget it, man. Oh, I'm in there. Again, thank you all for listening. If you want to see this playlist, uh, check out our website, npr.org slash altlatino. We'll have all the songs and a YouTube video playlist there. Uh, don't forget to write to us on Facebook and Twitter. We are NPR's Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. Again, thank you to Lauren Anki and Bobby Sanabria for joining me. You have been listening to NPR Music's Alt Latino. Thank you for listening.
This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Delta Airlines. When you think about it, half the trips the world takes are trips home. Home. What we all eventually long to get back to, no matter what took us away to begin with. Those at Delta know that, because all 100,000 of them are, above all, travelers just like you. It's why they try to make you feel at home long before you even get there. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch, and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.